Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. I hope you all are having an absolutely blessed day and had a great weekend. Hagman was on Friday, had a great show with him. Of course, when a lot of stuff been going on since then. And Ted is actually traveling right now. So you guys got me for a full hour, and I have been up early. I have been going over stuff all weekend. I've been printing off articles, and there is a lot of stuff going on that I'm going to be covering today. So you guys get ready for a very fast-paced, aggressive show, but I'm going to be bringing you a lot of facts and a lot of news and keep you updated on everything that's currently happening. Now, the first thing I'm going to address, I'm going to be brief on it because obviously the mainstream media is having a field day with making sure it's on every single publication, and for good reason. It's a pretty big deal, of course, what's going on. In Afghanistan. Now, the sad part about not just what's happening over there and the aspect of this planned failure, so to speak, and I'll get to that in a second. Over the weekend, I had the privilege of training with a retired ranger, Jeff Cotto. He owns basically a uh, combat training company and does a lot of tactical stuff. And so me and a couple buddies went out to Coco and trained with him all day yesterday. And worked on everything from team tactics to bounding and moving and covering and the whole nine yards. So it was a great day, actually really sore today. I haven't done that in a couple months as far as that aggressive, including rope climbing and full kit. That was uh, that was interesting. I haven't done that in a long time, and I'm I'm sore today from it. And so I, I talked to him about it because he he's done I think uh, eight or nine tours over there. He was ranger deployed numerous times. Um, very very active combat. Unbelievably aggressive shooter. Great guy. Super nice guy, too, though. He's, he's super honest with you. And I asked him, you know, we were talking about what was going on over there. And he said, man, he said, honestly, the biggest thing right now is he said pretty much all of us that actually made it back. He said this has been very depressing to see this. And he said pretty much that concept of everything we told we were doing over there and the reasons why we were doing it and following orders for all the ops that we had had been absolutely a complete and total waste of time and he said you know we pretty much feel now that you know the thousands of guys that died another 20,000 that have been severely wounded and dismembered a lot of them will never be the same he said was complete and total nothing it was all for nothing and I said well I mean what do you think is going on with this I said because clearly we know the Biden is complete and total buffoon and that's kind of the irony is the mainstream media has made this oh Biden did this and Biden did that and granted Mine's technically the president of the United States right now, even though he stole the election, but that's a whole other topic. So we know that Biden's not doing anything because the man can't even tie his shoelaces or speak without having an index card or teleprompters. And I said, doesn't this seem a bit like it was a planned failure? And he said, absolutely. He said, the fact that we've left hundreds of Max Pro MRAPs over there, which those are the million-dollar MRAPs, we've left Blackhawks, we've left all kinds of planes, we've literally left tens of thousands of belt-fed light machine guns and heavy machine guns. He said, you can see all the videos of them. He said, they've got all the stuff from surface air missiles to frag grenades to claymores. He said, the amount of equipment and armaments and munitions we left over there and didn't just basically blow up. And the fact we left all these unbelievably strong armored personnel vehicles. He said, of course, the army always uses the excuse of, oh, well, it uh, it's one of those things where it's more expensive to bring it back than it is to, you know, just leave it there. Well, the concept is kind of this. When's the last time you ever heard the Pentagon or the DOD say that something was too expensive for them to do it? I'll wait. And I'll wait some more because there's never been that time. They give them a limited budget. They pretty much say how much money they need, 
and they get it. So this concept of we can't move the equipment or we can't sell some of the equipment to our ally Israel or basically transfer some of the equipment to Europe or any other excuse they could come up with, it's easier just to leave all this equipment and all this personnel or as far as all these weapons in Afghanistan is a complete and total lie. Now, my personal opinion is I think they're gearing up the Middle East for the final massive war. You guys already know that from a biblical standpoint, that there is at some point in time going to be a massive, massive fight in the Middle East, unlike anything we've ever witnessed. But I'm not going to get into all that today. But so understand right now what's going on in Afghanistan. This is not something that was an accidental thing that happened. This wasn't one of these things where, oh, we just, whoops, we just left 150 Max Pro MRAPs over there because we didn't want to transport them. There's something else going on behind the scenes, and it's not coincidental that we're seeing this happen right now again when all these other things are starting to happen here in the United States. For example, a lot of people missed this memo as the Homeland Security came out. You guys saw this. And said that the essentially people that are potential terror threats and at the very top of the list they put up on Fox News, it was opposition to COVID measures. Now, if you read the additional details from the memo that was issued on August 13th on DHS.gov, it states, though the remainder of 2021 radically and ethically motivated violent extremists and anti-government, anti-authority violent extremists will remain the national threat priority for the United States. These extremists may seek to exploit the emergence of COVID variants by viewing the potential reestablishment of public health restrictions across the United States as a rationale to conduct attacks. Now, what they're saying here, and this is the very first paragraph of additional details, this is their most largest priority right now. Not the fact that al-Qaeda still has basically a Twitter account that's active that they've been posting on. If you guys look at it, it's Zebahula, official Twitter account of the spokesman of the Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan. Well, if you watch some of the videos or you do some of the translation, it's all complete and total Islamic rhetoric. Now, of course, they've been on Twitter since uh, April 2017. I'm looking at it right now. Got videos, got photos, and holding AKs everywhere, running around, doing nonsense. And uh, But of course, the previous sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump, his Twitter account still still banned. That, that's, that's right. Al-Qaeda still has an active Twitter account. Donald Trump is banned. Now, whether or not your stance on Donald Trump is what it is, I've told you guys my opinion on a lot of stuff, but that goes to show you right there that what's going on in the Middle East is obviously not accidental or coincidental by any means when Twitter allows this rhetoric to go out all across the entire world, but they ban a previous sitting U.S. president. So then it brings you back to what I just said with Homeland Security. The fact of what I just read, and they're saying now, anti-authority violent extremist. Well, essentially that means is you're anti-authority if you don't lick our boot and tell us what you basically – we're going to tell you to do. You follow orders. You do what we tell you. You get the shot, and you don't question it. It further goes on the line. It says that there are also continued conspiracy theories on perceived election fraud and alleged reinstatement and responses to anticipated restrictions related to the increasing COVID cases. This is further down the line in the DHS report. It says law enforcement has expressed concerns that the broader sharing of false narratives and conspiracy theories will gain traction in mainstream environments. DHS will continue to identify and evaluate any calls for violence, including online activity associated with the spread of disinformation. Now, if you noticed what I just read to you, 
there wasn't a huge amount of propaganda saying if anybody makes violent terroristic threats of claiming lives on line we're going to do something about it it doesn't say if people go out and make violent threats towards one another brandish firearms and threaten to make terrorist activities or terrorist events we're going to basically arrest them they don't say that it con- constantly talks about conspiracy theories conspiracy theories again false narratives and disinformation well isn't that funny that all the stuff they keep talking about is essentially what doesn't go along with the mainstream narrative you be the judge and figure out what Homeland Security is getting ready to do in the next couple months. I'll just sit back and wait. Also, too, there's also an email that I got from dad that basically was a um, – from an individual that was in law enforcement, and he sent it to us, and we were basically looking at it. And it's, he stated basically from one of the cops – this is a text. I'm fortunate. He said, be careful and be armed when out in public. Look for a brazen attack here soon and a large crowd event where the scumbag media won't even describe the offender. They'll simply state in the, quote, military age male. It will be at the forefront of your defense brain. Be safe and be armed. That was basically from a law enforcement agency. The individual doesn't want to be named. And so you see what's going on with Homeland Security putting this press release out right now. You see these massive restrictions that are starting to come down the line all across the country. And what's interesting, you then have Bobblehead Fauci last night on Sunday on CBS's Face the Nation. He came out and essentially said that we need to put away our personal liberties and fight the common enemy. He, he quotes – and I, I'm quoting him right now. He said, we've got to do mitigation. We have to put aside these issues of concerns about liberties and personal liberties and realize we have a common enemy. That common enemy is the virus, and we really have to all pull together to get on top of this. Otherwise, we're going to continue to suffer. <laughs> I can't – I don't know if that's a veiled threat or what. I mean pretty much what he's saying here, and this is very reminiscent of George Bush, George W. Bush after 9-11. Essentially, you have to give up your freedom and your liberty because we're at war with COVID, and you're either with us or you're with COVID, like Bush said. You're either with us or you're with the terrorist. You have to be for invading the Middle East or you're with the terrorist. You have to be for us carpet bombing Baghdad or you're with the terrorist. You have to be for us invading Afghanistan or you're with the terrorist. Well, isn't that pretty much what Fauci's now saying? You have to give up your personal liberties and your freedoms so we can fight the common enemy. We have to come together for the common good and fight the virus. I've already told you guys how numerous doctors and physicians have been fighting the virus with high doses of vitamin C, zinc, and D3. And if they need it, ivermectin with high high doses of zinc. This has been a very, very common protocol that from what I've been told now has worked with tens of thousands of people just in my small circle of doctors that I know all around the country. And that's what they're claiming. That's I'm not making any claims. This is what they're saying has actually worked. Well, if you know there's natural protocols to work with something, why are you saying constantly the only way to fight this is to get an injection that has a massive blowback when it comes to the health of the country and doesn't work? As we saw up in Massachusetts, as we've seen in Israel now, which they've been trying to completely black that out from the media, Israel was the highest vaccinated country in the entire world. Israel was. I mean, they shot everybody up as fast as they could get in line. They're now having a rapid amount of people going into the hospital, and essentially the majority of them are vaccinated. And over the weekend, we were at one of our friend's house and for a birthday party. It was great to hang out with them for 
couple hours, spent actually most of the day over there. And I was talking to her and she used to be basically an emergency room nurse and worked all kinds of different areas in the hospital over a period of time. And she said she's had numerous reports now from RNs and doctors that she's talked to. And they said this issue we're seeing with the hospitals allegedly being overwhelmed. She said it's because what's happening is a lot of people that are basically catching COVID, as soon as they get COVID, they freak out. And within a day or two, if they're dehydrated or they have a headache or they have a sore throat, they're immediately going to the ER and they're saying they tested positive for COVID and they need to be admitted. Majority of the beds are being filled up with people that don't need to be there. She said there was an incident where a lady basically was like brought out in one of the beds in the middle of the hall and she coded. They were basically paddling her, trying to revive her. And all the other parts of the rooms, all these other rooms were completely full with basically middle-aged individuals who are just laying there in the hospital hanging out because they're sick with COVID sitting on an IV because they don't want to take care of themselves or get hydrated naturally or take care of it and get ahead of the curve. Like Dad and I talked about last week, you don't wait until you're a week into being unbelievably sick before you decide, hey, I think I'm going to take some vitamin C now. The minute that you start feeling run down, you start getting a scratchy throat, you start getting tired, and you can feel it. If you're in tune with your body, you know when you don't start feeling up to par. That's why it's so important to eat as clean as you can and take as care of your body as you possibly can because when you're in very tune with your body, you'll notice when it starts getting outside the realms and parameters of what you want it to be. You say, man, and I'm just not feeling that good. I'm a little run down. I'm tired. You know what? I'm going to hit a couple, you know, couple 10Ks of vitamin D. I'm going to bump my zinc up today, maybe throw in a little astragalus and some zinc, you know, some C all day long, and you run the protocol. Like I was talking to Steve earlier, our sales reps on the phone, the majority of you guys have talked to him, great guy, great sales guy, very knowledgeable. He said that his house, you know, he has his supplements lined up in a basket as far as, you know, C, D, D, zinc, C, astragalus. I mean, in, you know, a couple other little ones you throw in there. You have the viral graphis as well that we have. There's numerous supplements we have in the basket. He's got an index card. What to do basically if you start getting, you know, run down. And so it's right there as soon as anybody goes right to the basket, start working on it, start eating it, you know, start taking the supplements and get your health back under control. Invariably, it works very effectively, even if everybody starts getting sick. And so what I've encouraged everybody to do is make sure you're making an informed decision on what you're going to do with your life and your health when it comes to the shocks. A lot of people have compromised. And this has turned into a huge, a huge fighting tool by the bankers and by the pharmaceutical companies. They knew this was going to happen. That's why it's the war on the COVID and it's the unvaxxed that are spreading it, which is all lies. There's been zero research whatsoever to confirm that people that are unvaccinated or uninjected with RNA gene therapy are actually spreading anything more than somebody that's been injected. And quite contrary, the research and videos and doctors that I've heard from have been very clear that the primary reason this is happening is basically expelling of spike proteins from individuals who've been injected with this. Because remember, as I said originally, the RNA injection does not inject you with COVID or a dead COVID virus. It injects you with a basically an RNA that tells the body to start producing spike proteins, and the spike proteins are the toxin. I don't think anybody fully understands exactly what's going to happen over the next couple of years with this giant experiment in the place. And now we're starting to see more and more people push back very, very aggressively. Out in Hawaii now, 
a group of attorneys have filed a lawsuit against the state of Hawaii on behalf of 1,200 first responders who are protesting the state's shot mandate for government workers. One of the lawyers representing the emergency responders recently listed data backing their decision to forgo the experimental injection. And I'm sure this is what they stated. This is what attorney Michael Green stated from their research. He said, the test we've seen around the country and the research that we have conducted from the doctors are showing that almost 45 thousand people that have gotten these vaccinations were dead within 72 hours that's what this attorney's saying that's what he's saying now that's not my claim that's what he's saying now one thing that i do know for a fact and i've heard this from numerous physicians once you get the shot they have a 15 minute observation period after that 15 minutes is up there is zero requirement to list any side effect even if the person comes back into the hospital a day later deathly ill is not COVID vaccine related whatsoever. He's told me that repeatedly. Now, people can go in and they can self-report on the VAERS system, but a lot of people don't even know about that, that are getting injected because they're honestly so brainwashed in thinking this. During the press conference, the Honolulu fire captain, this fire captain of the city of Honolulu, Kami Palika, probably butchered that name, I apologize, also spoke in the emotional testimony describing the pressure of having to choose between the shot and his job. He said, I have to choose between the career that I'm committed to or put an experimental drug that I don't know what it's going to do to me in my body or essentially give up everything. I spent the last 20 years of my life and 37 years of my life watching my dad do his job because I didn't want, because I didn't want to put an experimental drug in my body. I have to give all that up now. What is wrong with this? And he's very accurate and very valid about what's going on. Is it's very troubling to see so many people that have really been doing their jobs. And we've heard about this from nurses. On Friday, you know, I took Lan out to Lakeland to go eat at a restaurant, and there was a huge rally in downtown Lakeland. And they were walking up a 98, um, you know, with big signs and everything. And there was a large amount of nurses, physicians, and supporters that were out there, basically rallying for no COVID mandate shots. At the Lakeland Regional Hospital. I knew this was going on. Lan apparently knew about it. A few other people knew about it. I didn't even know about it. Sadly, I should be more involved, I guess you'd say. But, I mean, I can only do so much. And so one thing that I saw it, and, you know, I, I drove by and I honked my horn. I waved at him. I gave him a thumbs up. When we were going to dinners. We had reservations. I told Lan, I said, well, it's, there's a lot of people out there. There's probably 140, 150 people from what I saw. And what was interesting about it is it was good to see so many people out there really standing up and trying to protest what's happening because if people start saying no it changes the whole narrative and this is why dhs is scrambling right now this is why so many news agencies are pushing so much propaganda this is why now you have the hr bill that doug and i talked about in detail on friday hr 4980 which is details we could which states to direct the secretary of homeland security Okay, think about what I just said here a second ago. Homeland Security puts out a memo. Okay, well, let me, let me rewind. The House of Representatives, Richard Torres, Democratic North Carolina, introduces H.R. 4980 on August 6, 2021. Okay, he introduces this to the House. August 13th. DHS comes out with a 90-day press release. They said this expires on November 11th, and it came out on August 13th, basically stating 
that anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremists will remain a national threat party for the United States, and these extremists seek to exploit the emergence of COVID-19 variants by viewing the potential reestablishment of public health restrictions as a rationale to conduct attacks. I told you guys that a minute ago. So this comes out a week after HR bill comes out. HR bill states, this is the title, to direct the Secretary of Homeland Security to ensure that any individual traveling on a flight that departs from or arrives to an airport inside the United States or territory of the United States is fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and for other purposes. Now, here's what's disturbing about this bill. Not only is it giving Homeland Security now the task of health care and vaccinations – Think about that for a second. It states right here in the text, as of 8-16-2021, which is today, the text has not been received for H.R. 4980. What's interesting about it, almost every time you see a bill introduced, the text is usually introduced no later than a day or two afterwards. I've followed this a lot. And, and ironically enough, right below this, it has like a little notion, and it says bills are generally sent to the Library Congress from the GPO, which is the government publishing office, a day or two after they are introduced on the floor of the House or Senate. Delays can occur when a, no a large number of bills are being prepared or when a very large bill has to be printed. Okay, this was introduced on 806. It's 816 today. This bill was introduced 10 days ago, and there's still no text for it. Which tells me they're either changing stuff up, they're adding stuff to it, or they're simply trying to sandbag it as long as they can so people don't see the actual text. But the fact that there's even a bill discussing the concept of homeland security being in charge to make sure every single person that gets on a flight inside the United States or landing inside the United States is fully vaccinated with a COVID-19 injection is grossly disturbing to me, and it should be to everybody else. That's why I keep telling everybody it is that time. It has been past that time, but if there is time now than ever, it's that time to start standing up for real freedom and not complying with this. Because the more we see what's going on here, the more we see this, this building of what's happening. You got droughts out in California that are absolutely decimating the food population. You got places all over the country now that people have been reporting that basically prices are either going up or there's shortages on numerous products that they're trying to get a hold of. And now on top of that, if you guys saw the end of last week, local officials said at a press briefing in China that all inbound and outbound services at the Mishan terminal at the Zushan port have been suspended till further notice. As a key terminal servicing shipments to Europe and North America, China's zero COVID approach suggests this is the latest port disruption may not be the last. Don Turi, CEO of Sourcing Industry Group, said that shippers will likely pass costs on the customers, heating up global inflammation further ahead of the holiday season, the third busiest port in the world after one worker was found to be infected by COVID has been shut down. Analyst says China's zero COVID tolerance policy approach towards COVID will exacerbate already stressed supply chains. Some warn this may not be the last closure as long as Beijing continues to take this stance and will lead to a severe supply chain consequence. Now, you guys heard the term before, zero COVID, right? Where have we heard this for recently now in the news? Australia. Australia has pulled this same card. Now, let me clarify this real quick here. This concept and this approach of zero COVID is completely and totally unrealistic and impossible to achieve. COVID is a respiratory virus. 
it is not going to go away. In my opinion, it's a mutated version of the flu that basically Wuhan worked on, specifically making it more transmittable. This is not going to go away. There's going to be people every single day, every single year, every single decade, they're going to continue to get respiratory viruses, period. Now, the thing about it is we've already seen that the PCR test was not designed to pick out SARS-CoV-2. It was not designed to isolate a COVID infection. That's why they cannot differentiate. They've clearly said this. CDC has clearly said this. They cannot differentiate between influenza and COVID on a PCR test. If you test positive for one or the other, it tests positive, period. Now, here's what's interesting about this. So if they're coming out now and they're saying a COVID zero policy, meaning it does not matter at any point in time, everybody has to be tested on a regular basis for COVID. It is statistically and mathematically impossible to get zero COVID cases because some, essentially at some point, somebody's going to test positive for a virus in their system. It's just a fact. It's what happens when you have this stuff floating around. So what we're starting to see now is the inception and the building up to the normalization of a full-blown militarized medical industrial complex to where everybody's forced to take a test every single week like the doctor on CNN said last week. And I brought this up on Doug's show. She stated that every single child in the school system that's not vaccinated needs to be wearing N95 masks all day long. N95s, the ones that are unbelievably hard to breathe out of all day long. N95s all day long, and that every child needs to be tested for COVID every single week. That's what she said verbatim. Now, not only are you talking about the unbelievably horrific psychological impact that's going to have on a child – Think about the massive brain damage you're going to start having these children from oxygen deprivation. I went into detail on this one with the doctor that talked about it six months ago. Children are much more susceptible to oxygen deprivation than adults are. Adults can go without oxygen a decent amount, and you start having you know, issues in the brain, start having you know, problems focusing. You can bounce back if you get your O2 levels back up. Children are not the same. When children are deprived from oxygen for extended periods of time, say half the day for weeks and months on end, they start having severe neurological system problems, basically horrible mental issues and very, very bad um, fallback as far as what actually occurs in the developmental process. They start having severe growth problems with their brain. They can't make complex decisions. They can't make concrete, rational thought decisions. They cannot continue to function properly. And it starts making them almost as far as a mentally challenged individual if this happens long term when they've looked at this. So why in the world would you say that children in the school system need to be wearing N95s when it's not even recommended to wear N95s all day long because of the oxygen deprivation. They've clearly stated this on the health issues when you start dealing with OSHA. OSHA has certain guidelines on certain things you're supposed to do in the workplace. Anybody that wears an N95 is supposed to be trained in personal protective equipment. You're not supposed to be handing an N95 mask to a five or six-year-old and telling them to strap this on your face, lock it down, tighten it around your nose, and wear it all day long. Do not take it off. That is literally child abuse at its easiest example. But yet you have a doctor on CNN stating that's what they need to do, and everybody applauds and say, yes, we have to flatten the curve because we don't know what to do because we can't use our brains and figure out how to take care of people. This is what we're doing. 
everybody is going into full-blown stupid mode now in this country as far as the vast majority of people that are brainwashed and they're literally following this all the way into their death what they're doing with the global supply chain is not an accident if you guys saw and this hasn't really gone mainstream yet i got this report from an individual that works basically with mercedes they have now stated came out over the weekend that mercedes will be halting all production of V8 Mercedes vehicles for the year 2022. That means all G-Wagons are ceased production now. They will not exist. All new G-Wagon trucks will no longer be produced next year. All big S-Class vehicles with the V8 option, they will not be produced. They will all have twin-turbo V6s in them, which is nothing wrong with those engines. Some of them are pretty fast. Here's the thing you got to ask yourself a question, though. And they're, they're saying it's because it's a global shortage on chips and the whole whole spiel. And there could be some shortages on parts because I do know some places are having issues with parts. I'm not questioning that whatsoever. But what I am saying is this. Does anybody else find it remotely odd but me that we're watching this infrastructure bill fiasco with all these different restrictions they're trying to put on these vehicles? At the same time, the electric vehicle market is trying to be propped up like weekend at Bernie's because the vast majority of people don't want EV vehicles. They're not what everybody thinks they are. They don't get the mileage that people think they do. They're unbelievably expensive to charge on the high-speed chargers. They don't save you any money whatsoever. A lot of people don't get that at all. They're going to have numerous amounts of electronic taxes placed upon them because they've already said the energy and the electricity isn't going to be free. It's not going to be cost-effective. It's going to put an insane amount of stress on the electrical facilities and power grids that are all across the country. If all of a sudden you start having 50,000 charging ports put up in a major city and all of a sudden you start banning gasoline-powered engines or you start taxing them heavily and you start bringing in all these electric cars that are all sitting there being charged all day, it's not going to help the system nor the economy nor the power plants. And, and nobody's wanting to discuss the fact what's going to happen in the next five to ten years with those vehicles when the lithium-ion batteries reach their age limit. And now all of a sudden to replace those vehicles – this is why a lot of Priuses and stuff and electric vehicles have a horrible resale value after about four to five years. They plummet. They drop to the floor because most of those batteries can't go any longer than ten years. They don't take charges. So what happens is what happens in 10 years or 15 years when all these vehicles, the batteries start going to crap? And now all of a sudden, uh, yeah, by the way, to replace the batteries, and it's going to be $150,000 for your Tesla. Wait, what? I can't afford that. Well, yeah, you know, if not, your vehicle's worth about 500 bucks because it's not operational anymore. Or you can buy a new one, and we'll help you get a new one here, and we'll get you a new, a new one for about $100,000. Well, what happens to the old one and the old batteries? Well, we got to dispose of it, and we got to pay the hazardous waste fees and the toxicity that occurs when you try to dispose of all those batteries in mass. This has nothing to do with protecting the environment. It has nothing to do with carbon emissions. It's all about control because what they're pushing for eventually is a fully electronic controlled vehicle grid that everything's going to be automated, everything's going to be autonomous, and you will not have the ability to travel freely on your way. That is why. They're slowly doing the production of these new vehicles. Ford now is already starting to toy with the idea. And I've heard this now from a very, very well-educated individual that works with Ford, is that Ford now has found that it's extremely cost-effective to do what they're doing right now and ordering trucks on an as-needed basis when people place an order basically in the order bank. So right now, if you go try to order an F-250, they're telling you they're like six months out. 
So what a lot of people are doing now, they're ordering the trucks and they're keeping what they have and they're waiting until new, their new order comes in and they're going to trade it in. Well, what Ford has pretty much found out now and Chevy and GM and basically all, all a lot of these manufacturers have tried to figure this out now. If you only order stuff on an as-needed basis and have minimal inventory at the dealership, you have pretty much no overrun of cost. You have no idle production products sitting on the lot, and you don't have to have rebates to move products. You sell everything at full MSRP. This is one of the reasons why the used vehicle market has exploded and gone up 30 40 50% in some cases because you have now – I saw one the other day. You have a 2022 F250 XLT Power Stroke sticker on it. It's like sixty four, sixty five thousand. You know, XLT, not crazy loaded up. Still a nice truck, but not crazy loaded up. They had a ten thousand dollar market adjustment addendum on it. They ran it up to like seventy four thousand dollars for an XLT F250, and they're selling. Unfortunately. Because what's happened now is the dealers have found, listen, this is the only way we can make money, really, and so this is what we're going to keep doing. It's not coincidence this is happening right now. All of this stuff happened at the same time, and then everybody being unbelievably distracted on what's going on and simply going, get your shot, shut up, be quiet, do what you're supposed to do. It's not coincidence, my friends. So look through what's really happening. And continue to keep the information out there. At the same time now, we're continually pushing in this country the socialist ideology now. If you saw the USDA now just per- permanently boosted food stamp benefits by 25%, the SNAP program, which granted, if somebody really does need food assistance, I'm totally for that. I've never been opposed to that at all. What I'm not opposed to is the people that I've seen that will literally go in and buy food on their SNAP, and I've personally watched this before. They'll buy food on basically the food debit card that they have, the you know the the food food stamp debit card, and then turn around and pull cash out of their pocket to go buy a carton of Marlboro Red cigarettes. I got a real problem with that. And people go, well, it's their right. Well, it's their right to buy cigarettes. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm saying is, you're getting federally funded taxpayer money to buy food. But yet you have enough money to go spend $60 on a carton of cigarettes to feed your habit. The food SNAP program is specifically – was specifically used to help very low-income families get back on their feet and make sure that nobody went hungry. The problem is now it's turned into a giant socialist program with I think over almost 50 million people on the food assistance programs now, and it is one of the most abused federal systems in the entire country. I've personally witnessed that in a number of other cases that I can't even talk about. So this is something that this is not going to be – this is going to continue to go up because of inflation and because they know food prices are going through the roof. Now also to another news, as more people are standing up to what's going on and more people are starting to get the truth out there, they're now – this is on Breitbart. They said groups of military members and families are fighting hard behind the scenes against a potential mandate for all service members to be injected for the coronavirus, according to half a dozen individuals involved in the efforts who spoke with Breitbart News on the condition of being anonymous, they said they've amassed hundreds of thousands of calls over the past several weeks to members of Congress on the House and Senate Armed Service Committee for the opposing of mandatory vaccines. One Army spouse said there was such a big effort that they have been asked what political action committee they're affiliated with. She said, we're calling, and the staffers are asking us, what PAC are you guys associated by? She goes, oh, no, we're not a PAC. We're just a pissed-off army wives and husbands and mothers, said the spouse. 
Army Chief Warrant Officer who runs the military meme page Terminal CWO on Instagram said his inbox has been receiving hundreds of messages every single day from members who oppose a vaccine mandate. He said my inbox is completely flooded. And this is what you're starting to see now all across the country. And this is why the Pentagon came out and basically gave the option that you know you have the ability to have a religious exemption. The fact that somebody thinks they can tell you to get an experimental injection, even if even if the FDA comes out now and is so lobbied and so coerced into approving this injection, which literally by their own definition of approving it in a shot after eight months would be completely and totally illegal in my opinion because if you look at what they've done over the past, there's very specific guidelines that vaccines and drugs have to meet in order to get true approval of the FDA. If the FDA at any point in time approves this experimental injection this year, it will completely drop out of the, gui- the guidelines of FDA accountability and what they're actually required to do as a government agency allegedly to protect the populace, which that's kind of a laughing statement now. But so that's where we're at with this. And so the more we see this go down the line and the more there's so many people that are just saying, just get the shot, just get the shot, just get it over with. It's very disturbing to me to see the research, the news, the truth, the facts, the research studies they're talking about what this is doing. I mean, you, these attorneys in Hawaii that have filed this lawsuit, they're not doing this because they think this is something that'll basically be fun. They're doing this because they have over 1,200 first responders that have flooded them and said, listen, we have to do this. And these attorneys are going, you know what? We're right. I mean, a lot of attorneys, you know, well, some, there's a lot of bad attorneys, but there are some good attorneys that really want to do stuff and make a difference in the world. And we're starting to see that now. But again, Media tries to black it out almost on a regular basis. So it is crucial that we continue to get the truth out there as we've talked about so much repeatedly on this show because there's so much rhetoric going on right now. They're going after us. They're trying to basically completely and totally demonize anybody that questions it, like I just said with DHS. They're going after the kids now. They want to do everything they can to try to force the kids into making this a normalized, a normalized behavior. There is a basically television station that basically report that an art teacher at Gibson Elementary School showed a video to the Youngers, which is a parody off Be Our Guest, a song from the popular musical Beauty and the Beast, the real one. And it goes on to say, I'll read the lyrics, it says, Try not to be grouchy. Put your faith in Fauci. It's a mask. It's a mask. Oh, heaven's sakes, it's just a mask. Such a shame that asking folks to follow rules gets you harassed. You can shout, you can glare, but listen, Karen, I don't care. Never seen folks so dramatic over a piece of fabric, hard to breathe, feel so hot. That There's a thought, suck it up and don't give it any sask, wear a mask. Now, it's interesting about this. This is basically a joke, you know, a, a, a parody that this teacher made of Beauty and the Beast. Now, the thing about it is there's profanity in it as well. So obviously they're being complete and totally out of line with it, and it's supposed to be like this joke of you just need to follow orders. But why would you use Beauty and the Beast as a parody to make this unbelievably horrific song with profanity in it when you know Beauty and the Beast is marketed towards kids? Well, it's very simple. 
they're going after the kids. We've already established this very, very clearly. You can see this now with the school boards all across the country. What they're trying to do is full-blown domination over the young kids. That's why there's so many kids now that are basically getting homeschooled in homeschool co-ops like we've been working on. Because people that are awake are realizing they're not just coming after us. Their primary goal is the kids. If they can train the kids into believing you don't have an identity. You are you are whatever we tell you you are. You wear a mask all day long. You follow orders. You do what you're told. You get a shot in your arm whenever we tell you to get it, and you go on your merry way. That's what they're promoting to the children, and guys. That's something we could never allow at all, ever, because it's happening now faster than most people realize. And if that's happening it's faster than people can realize, then that means – we have to start being vocal and making a stand on everything. Also, too, in other news, this is a <laughs> article that I saw in Breitbart kind of change a topic here because I always encourage everybody to be very, very well armed. You guys know my stance on that. Even though, unfortunately, we've now seen 22 Floridians have their concealed carry permits revoked that were involved in the Capitol incident, the Capitol protest, and um, – what we're starting to see now is with this entire thing that's happened with the incident on January 6th, and the more and more research we've done now, we've seen this whole thing was complete and total setup by the FBI. Nikki Fried, who's basically down here as the Florida Agricultural Commissioner, has suspended concealed carry permits of 22 residents charged in connection with the January 6th uh, protest. And what's interesting about this, she goes, I suspended the concealed weapon permits of 22 involved in the insurrection against the United States of America. And she goes on to say here, I'm deeply disturbed of the events that occurred in our nation's capital. They were sedition, treason, and domestic terrorism, and those individuals involved in the insurrection will be held accountable for attempting to subvert our democratic process. Now – I don't know if anybody else has seen all the videos that they pulled down. I never saw one time the concept of sedition and treason for walking into the Capitol facility. I don't remember a calling that ever being an issue. I know if you read some of the research from the early days, our founding fathers and numerous instances that have occurred all the way up in you know not too long ago – Going to Capitol buildings, going in Capitol buildings and protesting in Capitol buildings and being very aggressive and mad about being lied to is pretty much exactly what this country was built on. And there's nobody that can do the research that can say there was not, at the very least, some very, very deep manipulation with the election. I've told you guys, you can look at the numbers on it. You watch it that night. All of a sudden, Joe Biden has a full-blown vertical spike on the graph and votes. Trump just stops getting votes and Biden goes up like 300,000 votes in a matter of minutes after they said they were shutting down the polling and shutting down basically the ballot counting for the night, which they've never done before. And again, it had nothing to do with Donald Trump coming in and basically saving the country because as I said before – you know, he he really was more theater than anything. But what they're doing now is they're using the concept of us calling out a stolen election, us calling out making America great, us calling out the fact that we don't want to have our liberties and freedoms stripped from us illegally over a respiratory virus. They're now saying, well, that makes you a terrorist. Of course, you can see where this is starting to play out. And that's why I've continued to tell everybody practice. Train, stay prepped, 
because there's going to be a point in time in the very near future that there's going to be some serious things that start to occur. And I think there, I think personally right now we're starting to see the very, very big phase start to open up right now. Like I said, from that officer that sent me that, that I read you earlier, that text, and also from what we're seeing with Homeland Security and numerous other people that I know, including Ranger that I talked to yesterday, he said, there's there's some weird stuff going on right now. He said, you know, he was, and he flat out said this yesterday. He said, you got to make sure whoever you're around knows what they're doing. And you got to make sure you're proficient in what you're doing. He said, there may come a time in the very near future where you're in gunfights in the middle of Walmart and it's not an abnormal occurrence anymore. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, whoa, that's that's a strong statement to make. But this guy's been in it. He's seen it. He does not absolutely think under any circumstances that this is going to stop peacefully in this country with what's going on, especially with the COVID restrictions, especially with all the different things that are occurring at a rapid pace right now. That's why I encourage people, go out and get some formal training. Just because you go buy a pistol at the store and you go put it in your safe or you go stuff it in your pants and now you think you're Rambo and you're going to run around and save the day. One thing that we did repeatedly yesterday, and I hate these drills and I absolutely love these drills. I hate them because it stresses me out and it gets me mad and I have to try to keep my cool under it. But I love them because it literally puts so much pressure on you is we'll go through with team drills where we're bounding and moving forward. You know, one person's going forward, the other person's covering and, co- you know, providing cover fire. And then what happens is he'll come up in between us. He had this big stick. And as we're basically shooting different targets that are being called out and different threats that are popping up, he'll come by with a stick and he'll hit our dog on bolt on our M4. And it jams the rifle up and you get a double feed. And now all of a sudden your weapon goes down. And now you're trying to communicate with your partner as he's providing cover or he's moving and you're telling him you're down and you're basically getting your gun up and you got to clear the dog on bolt and get the rounds out of it. I had to pull my blade out and try to pick one of the rounds out because I had such a bad double feed. I got my gun back up and we did that repeatedly yesterday. But one thing it does is it gives you the ability to be under any circumstance where you go, okay, this, this is not fun. This is not okay. My gun just jammed. It's under pressure. There's rounds going off. I'm trying to cover my friend. I'm trying to bound forward. What do I do? And now it's not as aggressive as being in a true full-blown firefight with people firing rounds back at you. There's no question about that. The only way to get used to that is essentially baptism through fire, being involved in it, which I hope we never have to do. But when you constantly push yourself and you constantly do those things where you're forcing malfunctions where you don't even know they're going to happen, he just comes up behind you with a stick and bang, hits your bolt, and you're like, ah, you got to clear it and get it up again. What it does is it constantly gets you in that mindset of, well, what do you do right now when you're trying to cover your friend and my gun goes down? When you get that gun up and you get it cleared. And I encourage people, please get training if you're going to buy firearms. Don't be a detriment in a situation where you need to be an asset. That's why I told one of my friends who came yesterday, my, my workout partner. He bought an AR a while back ago, shot it a couple times at the range. And I asked him, I said, have you ever actually like trained, like aggressively trained where you're moving? You know, you're shooting behind cover and you're sprinting for 20, 30, 40 yards and then getting behind cover and shooting again and, you know, bounding 40. He said, no, man, I've never done that. I said, well, you're going to do that tomorrow. I said, because I got to know that you live right down the street from me and I got other buddies that can cover me. I said, I got to know if I'm with you, if something happens, you're not going to shoot me in the butt because you can't keep your finger off the trigger. 
being honest with you. And so I encourage everybody, please go out and get some training. A lot of people kind of put it off because like, oh, you know what? I got a rifle. Or I got a pistol. I'll, I'll go to the range one of these days or I'll go shoot a couple rounds at a paper target. And that's OK. Getting accurate and getting you know used to your weapon. That's also good if you can do it on a regular basis. At the very least, if you don't want to burn any ammo up right now, do dry drills and mag reloads with, a, with an empty weapon in your house and do it in the mirror. So you're looking at pointing your gun basically at another person. Now, I mean that sincerely. Get used to that because it's our responsibility to protect our families. It's our responsibility to take care of our friends and loved ones that are around us. And it's our responsibility to do the best we can to protect this country because it's, I mean, it's a full-blown war right now. It may not be a shooting war right now, but it's an information war at the very, very finest example. With what we're seeing right now, you can't say anything on Instagram. You can't say anything on Twitter. You get blocked. But Al-Qaeda's got a Twitter that doesn't go down at all. I mean, if somebody can explain that to me, I would love to understand it from a normal standpoint because the only conclusion I can have of that is they're making sure that the rhetoric goes out and everything that's happening over there was completely and totally planned. That's just my opinion. But also, speaking of being prepared, a burglar in Webster Groves, Missouri, entered the back door of a residence yesterday, actually on, on Friday, and died after the homeowner shot him in the chest with a shotgun. KDSK reports at 2.50 a.m., the homeowner grabbed a shotgun and confronted a suspect who broke into the back door telling him to leave. The suspect allegedly refused to comply, so the homeowner dropped 12-gauge buckshot right in his chest. The suspect was taken to the hospital pronounced dead on the way, which I'm not surprised, 12-gauge is one of the most effective close-quarter combat weapons, so much that they tried to basically ban it in World War, if you guys remember that, because they had the trench shotguns, the 12-gauge shotguns, and they're so violent, 12-gauge is at close range, and they said, this is inhumane, you know, you can't be using this, and they said, well, guess what, we're using it, it's that effective, and so I always encourage people for close range, and the best thing, too, is in my opinion for home defense is number four buck. Double op buck is great. I mean, double op buck, it will make a mess out of anything, especially hogs. But number four buck is a little bit better if you're in a house with residents like children. The reason why is number four usually has a hard time going through two layers of drywall and studs and having any significant, basically, um, penetration after that. Double op buck will blast right through a wall because it's a lot heavier. Now, that really means you need to be proficient with your weapon. And if you're in a house and you have family in the house and a burglar's in, you don't need to be wildly flailing 12-gauge rounds downrange in every direction. You need to know what you're shooting at. But because buckshot and number four buckshot can't have overspray because the pellets, depending on the distance you're trying to engage the suspect or the target, um, you can't have a round here or there miss. And so that's why I usually recommend number four for close range inside of a house if you have children. But I – because be very careful. I know a lot of people have AR-15s. I'm a big proponent of AR-15s. AR-15s are extremely dangerous in a house with other residents, especially if you have hot ammo, like 855 green tip or something, which you know, which is steel tip. That stuff's like 3,200 feet per second and goes through just about anything. I mean, it'll go through a lot of armor. So you got to remember, if you got someone in the house that's not wearing armor and they're a burglar, and all of a sudden you put four or five rounds through them, you're going to kill them. But that round's going to go through them, and it's going to go through the next wall, and it's probably going to go through a window, and it's probably going to go to the neighbor's yard, their house. Green tip is an incredibly aggressive round. It's great for barrier penetration. It's great for armor penetration if you have a threat, but shooting it inside of a house, not recommended whatsoever. 
that's just my two cents on that since we got on a side gun topic here for today. But again, this is what we're going to start seeing more and more. As people become more desperate, as people become hungrier, people are going to become more violent, especially when you're going to start seeing the food prices rise exponentially. We're just starting to see the beginning beginning inflationary issues that's starting to happen. And so that's why I encourage people, stock up on stuff you need now. If you need some backup water containers, if you need some water filtration, if you need a distiller, if you need food buckets, if you need ammo, buy whatever you need now as best as you can and try to stock up on it. Because I know a lot of people that they go in, they go, well, I'm, I'm going to get something next month probably. I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to buy some of this. I'm, I got a little bit of ammo. And that's where I'm like, well, how much ammo do you have? Well, I got like a couple boxes. I said, what's a couple boxes, a couple cases? Well, I got like 150 rounds, you know, so – I said, you got 150 rounds of 556. Five, that's all you have. Yeah. I said, that's that's not gonna work, bud. I said, <laughs> I said, if you just talk to any any person that basically has been in the army, a standard loadout as far as basically it's on their person's 210 rounds. That's what they carry on them at all times, and usually way more than that. I said, granted, you're not army infantry, but if you get into a heavy, heavy situation where you have multiple people trying to get into your house or basically surrounding your house, you'll start going through ammo really fast. And 150 rounds is a joke. That's why I encourage people at least at minimum have a thousand rounds for every caliber, every main caliber you have. More obviously is better. But same thing with food. Food prices are going through the roof right now. I know a lot of people, they've been going and ordering stockpiling food buckets from us. And I'm like, dude, thank you for the support. If you want anything, let us know. We got four packs on them. If you can't afford that, same thing I said, go and get beans and rice from the store and store it properly. Go get canned foods. Get some stuff and stock up on it because one of the biggest things that I've always heard from individuals that have been involved in situations where there's a societal collapse or they're in a country basically that's in a war. The last place you want to be in the middle of a heavy conflict is in a store fighting for supplies. You're pretty much guaranteed to get in some type of direct engagement, and it's probably going to escalate very badly because you're not going to be in the mindset to be as defensive and protective in your own environment because now you're out in an external environment with huge amounts of threats that you don't know about, and now you're trying to get food or supplies just to survive. So your main goal isn't defense or protection or support. Your main goal is trying to get supplies, which means your mindset is not where it needs to be from a tactical standpoint. So do the best you can to get prepped without going into something at last minute. You see this all the time down here in Florida. And it's usually people that don't live down here very long or they move down here from up north or California. We have a hurricane coming in, which is every year we have hurricanes come in. And all of a sudden, you'll hear about it and you'll see about it. Somebody gets in a fight or somebody pulls a gun or somebody gets in a big old altercation at store because people are fighting over water jugs or supplies or something stupid. And they just get in a huge argument or gas stations seeing that too because everybody rushes to the place as soon as the Hurricane hits. Now, I'm not saying if you are late on supplies, you need to get something, do the best you can to get them. I'm not saying, you know, go without them. But what I'm saying is it makes a lot more sense to stay prepared instead of waiting to the last minute the best you possibly can. And again, encourage. I'm encouraging all my friends. Please talk to people the best you can. And like-minded people that you know, encourage them as well. If they're on the fence or they're having a hard time struggling, be there for them. Talk to them. Say, listen, I know what you're going through right now. I got a friend that's done this. I have a friend that's doing this. I got friends that are going to get the injection. We're having fights with them. I know people that basically think I'm crazy now. 
and it's it's not just you. It's happening a lot. A lot of people are so brainwashed they cannot think for themselves anymore. Their deductive reasoning has been gone because they're living in a state of denial and a state of delusion. And that's what it is. It's a delusional fantasy. And once you understand it from a, a psychological standpoint, pretty much from a clinical psychological standpoint, when you realize that is a, a mental disorder, so to speak, and it's very common, it happens a lot, especially when you've watched hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of brainwashing on the mainstream media, like with the CNN. CNN is one of the most effective brainwashing tools I've ever witnessed in my entire life when you look at it from a psychological standpoint. That's why I tell people, turn the TV off. I have no cable. I have no need for cable. I have no interest in watching TV. I don't care one bit what they have to say on TV because I already know what they're saying on television majority of the time is a full-blown lie. Once you understand that and once you get that concept and you get the normalization that that's what's happening, it makes way more sense everything that's happening. So again, thank you for the support of Health Masters and the emails. I got a ton of emails over the weekend. been trying to answer a lot of them the best I can. Be sure to stock up on anything you need when you need it as early as possible. The zinc glycinate, I told you guys, that's on sale right now, 15% off. Great for the immune system. Great for antioxidant activity. Also very good for reproductive health as well. And be sure to check out the product of the week, the Testo Plus one of our top testosterone boosters, very good product to increase healthy testosterone levels. And be sure to vote for what you want to see win as product of the week on Wednesday this week. You guys know you guys vote. I don't mess with it. With just single vote and you have to have an account, puts it in, goes for it. Whatever wins goes on sale. And so it looks like right now the inacetylcysteine, which is a glutathione precursor, really good product. You can read about it on the website. We've talked about it in the detail. That's the product that the FDA has been discussing, trying to figure out how to schedule and actually ban it. Amazon's already pulled it off. They've pretty much pulled off everything with inacetylcysteine off their website. Numerous other companies have done it as well. I have no interest in doing it. I will not do it until I absolutely physically have to do it. And so we've been keeping our stockpile up high for our customers to make sure they have direct access to this product as long as possible and so thank you again my friends for the support keep up the good fight we're going to do the best we can down here and that's all i ask of you have a blessed safe awesome night continue to stay sharp and i'll talk to you guys again tomorrow as always